Hello and welcome to the Transformation Series, presented during the This Is Not A Fringe Festival in Montreal, Quebec in June 2020. Today, let's talk about green theatre making. Hello! <laughs> Hi everyone! Happy, uh, what day of the week is it? Happy Wednesday uh, as a part of This Is Not A Fringe. Bonjour tout le monde, mon nom est Amy Blackmore, je suis la directrice générale et artistique du Théâtre Mainline et le Festival Saint-Ouest Fringe de Montréal. Uh, I'm Amy Blackmore, as some of you might already know, I'm the executive and artistic director of Mainline Theatre and the Saint-Ouest Montreal Fringe Festival. Um, I'm not in my house like I've been all week. I'm at the main line. Uh, it is very hot. The flames make a lot of sense. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'm at main line. It's exciting. There's merch all over the lobby and no one here. Uh, however, the ghost is very active uh, and did startle me earlier, which is why I broke Kenny's uh, circle light, which I'm using. So again, Kenny Struly, I'm sorry. Um, just un petit mot en français. Aujourd'hui, on va parler principalement en anglais. On a une autre uh, portion de notre série demain qui est réconciliation qui est réconciliation, excuse-moi, euh, de travail-vie euh, qui va dérouler en français. Euh, et hier, on parlait avec plusieurs artistes euh, de leur démarche artistique euh, pendant la pandémie et tout. Euh, C'est tout sur notre YouTube um, et aussi sur euh, l'archive du Facebook. But we are going to speak in English today. I'm really excited to talk about making green theater um, and what that's like. This isn't about me. We're going to skip right ahead to our invited guests. Um, let's like, I think we're going to do the, the technology thing and they're going to start popping up. So where are they? Who's first? There we are. Hi. Hello. It's Sophia. <laughs> there we go. Kate Clark. Welcome. Who's that? Devin Hardy. Hello. Hi. And Ron Corbani. Hi. Welcome. Oh my gosh. Guys, thank you for being here today. I'm really excited to just dive in. Um, this is a topic that just means so much to my heart. Um, and I think that when everything started with the pandemic, I think we were really like knee deep into this. You know, uh, mm. the mainstream media was talking about climate change finally. Um, and I'm kind of wondering where we sit now with it all. Um, is, is it still coming up in conversation in your lives? Where where are we situated with this? Any thoughts? Oh, wait, before we do that, honestly, guys, me breaking the circle light has really messed me up. I totally forgot. We don't know who you are. <laughs> So how about before I hear about that, I'd love for you each to introduce yourselves. Um, Murray, why don't you go for it? Um, my name is Murray Yudis, and uh, I'm the artistic director at the Fringe Theater. I'm, uh, I'm an artist that uh, spent most of his career here in uh, the western part of Turtle Island and um, uh, gigged for a long time before settling into a company and um, sort of strange shifting from being in the rehearsal hall to like, you know, make it happen more and having more of an administrative piece to what's going on. But it's also, you know, very humbled by, by the role that uh, I've been um, uh, given. And, and I take it very seriously on how we can really together um, help Mother Earth moving forward because she's speaking to us right now. And I don't think we've been listening for a very long time. Mm. Thank you. Who wants to go next? Sophie. Uh, hello, I'm Sophie. Um, I'm a theater artist and designer, primarily in costume, but I'm mostly specialized in costume design. Um, and I'm really excited to be here. I, I, I haven't. I, I feel like this should be a conversation that we've had that we should have like a lot more often. Um, so I, I'm so happy that this is happening, and excited to hear what everyone has to say. It's great, thank you. Kate. Hi, um, my name is Kate. I am a director and lighting designer um, here on Jodzage. Um, I directed a Frankie-nominated show last year in the Fringe called Tomorrow, um, which is a climate change remix of Macbeth. Um, so I think that's why I was asked to be here today. 
Um, and I'm really excited to chat with everybody. Thank you. Devin. Uh, hi, my name is Devin. I'm an environmental professional. I've, uh, my background is in environmental science and water resource management. And uh, in the last few years, I've been working primarily in the arts. Um, and I am the special projects manager at the Quebec Drama Federation. I'm going to go. Yeah, um, I'm Iman Karvani, and I'm a sonographer that works mostly in live performance and uh, television. And I'm someone who strives to create green and sustainable designs constantly. And um, my thesis was I, I did three years of research into what it means to actually adopt uh, greener practices in theater and what it means for theater to go green. And we created a zero waste set at that time. Yeah. Right on. Thank you so much. So we have a really exciting group of folks here. And I think I just want to bring it to the beginning of all of this. I keep referring to the afternoon of March 14th, sitting in my office. Um, it was Saturday, getting an email from the government uh, letting us know that we could not have performances in the main space and in the mini that night. They were both sold out. Um, it was a very bizarre day. I think we saw it coming, uh, but didn't know it was actually going to really happen. Um, so we canceled all the shows and have been closed ever since. And uh, it's interesting, I think, in this pause, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this topic again, was because it was starting to get the mainstream momentum going around it, around climate change and where we're at. But, but also because, you know, I'm curious to see where we're going. I think we are living in a time of transformation and I want to start talking about the world that we're going to create together moving forward. So I think that for me, at least, that's the intention around this. And I'm curious to hear Maybe just to start off for you guys, you know, how was it at the beginning? How are you feeling? How's it going? I, I'll go, I'll start talking. Um, so I think it's something that has been a, like talking about green and being sustainable and climate change has been way more prominent in other art fields. Like we see it in architecture, engineering, um, having lead. It has been a conversation. I think theater is a bit behind, honestly speaking. We still have a lot of waste. Um, more greener theater is usually found with lower budget theater because it's a easier way to be in budget uh, by up upscaling costumes and stuff. But when we talk about Broadway or when we talk about huge um, shows, sustainability is usually not in conversation and it's not something that is brought up. And I know that now there's the Broadway Green Alliance that's actually bringing it up and more artists, whether in Broadway or not, in the past few years have started to talk and that conversation has been way more like present i would say in my experience not so much at the moment there are other things that are keeping people busy but yeah um some of you may have noticed that i put a comment up if you are on facebook please comment away because i might share it like this that's nice tomorrow rock my world isn't that nice? It rocked my world as well. Um, and also, if you're on YouTube, you can make comments there, and Kenny's going to pull them and post them here as well. So shout out to everybody watching on the YouTube channel. Uh, Sophie and Iman, you know, you are both designers. I'm just curious, you know, at the beginning of a creation process, um, is there a discussion um, in your experience that takes place around environmental sustainability in theater? I know that for me, all my sets, well, I don't really have sets because they're low budget and it is kind of that low budget versus big budget. Where does sustainability fall within the process for you? Um, uh, for me, it's, uh, it, it's quite surprising because it, it really doesn't come up at all. <laughs> so, um, I mean, and I, I think it's just a shame because I, like a lot of, I think a lot of the issue is just that, that people don't really know um, 
like there's just a lack of understanding and knowledge out there and i think that um if we discussed it more often and if like for example what i think would be great is that at the start of every production as a team everybody comes together to see how can we make this production more green and just have this open discussion in the same way that um uh, discussions have arose about like um safe spaces and all that i think like the same thing could happen with how like we can make the, the piece more green and whatever means possible and um and also it goes back to school as well like uh when i was in university like we never really had a class about that and just like little things can like even if it's not a huge difference can inform someone like um if you have a choice between fabrics like which one like is more ethical or more sustainable or like what can I do to like production? Is there anything that we can do to like minimize our footprint? So there's lots of little things that I think are out there and easily accessible, but it's just like reminding ourselves and also like um, keeping the company and uh, our peers accountable and supportive. And I think uh, like a lot of it could, uh, needs to take place in terms of, like at the beginning when there's more time um, with the production manager and and the team and I, I think there are ways of just about discussing it. There's something about the buy-in eh, that needs to happen and Marie like I'm curious to hear you you talk to that you know running the fringe festival like we operate festivals that are like based on values right and so where, where does that kind of come from go for it. Well I wanted to jump on on Sophie's point too one of uh, um, uh, she's an incredible designer in our city too and 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 very much like a, an activist and said, look, we need to upcycle everything that we can, right? So if we're looking at the big regional theaters that are, you know, have, have thousands and thousands of dollars going into sets or whatever, can that set somehow be repurposed throughout the entire theater season, all the way down to the indies, right down to the fringe level where the budgets aren't there, right? And so, you know, whatever's gone into that, if it just kind of keeps morphing and, and, and going through, I think that there's, there's some idea and that sharing of the, of the resources so it's not just because everybody's doing the same thing in some ways like it, it, sure it's different but it's like to be able to find that and now i've even like started to challenge and say okay how do we formalize something like that how do we actually say okay we're going to commit to this now and let's see where it can take us and what it can open up like if you've got a room full of costumes where's the access for those and 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 the way to get it out to them that they may not know that's there for them, as opposed to them having to go purpose something for themselves, and um, that's really become uh, quite prevalent in, in in what's going on um, throughout. And I'm excited by it. Like I'm excited by those sort of. It is. It's like it could be just like a. a um, uh, um, if you take like a small experiment with radical intent, right? Like, and just start to push that forward. I think that's going to change us a little bit if we start to think about it in that way and push the pause. And go. How can we do it like this? Is there other ways? Can I ask some questions? Who can I check in with to see if they can advise me? Yeah. Help me. We. It's funny because my thesis was all about proving that we can create sustainable theater at a larger scale because people just assume that. Um, sustainable and green theater was produced at a smaller scale where people didn't have the budget but when you do have the budget and the creativity you're actually compromising the design to create and I don't believe in that and that's what the thesis was was no you don't have to compromise design to create sustainable theater and even sustainable theater at a large scale we had over a hundred people working for us and the way we did it is we diverted money from materials into labor and we just concentrated on paying everyone well and it is more labor intensive especially if you want to create a zero waste and how to produce something but you're just converting like well you're just instead of paying more for materials you're paying for labor more and i prefer to pay people than to use new materials or a like virgin materials and not upcycle and even upcycling isn't always the answer right because what we're doing with upcycling is we're just elongating the lifespan of the item but what we really want to do is go into the concept of cradle to cradle where we really don't throw anything into landfills and whether we're elongating the life is great and i'm all for it too i just want to put it out there yes. yeah yeah i know <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, I see you getting excited there. Like you were like, you were like getting really like happy about that. I, I'm curious to hear a bit about some of the projects you've been working on and what kind of resources are out there. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I was excited about all aspects of that. I mean, paying people instead of buying things, yeah. great, elongating, elongating uh, life cycles of materials, um, this concept of, of cradle to cradle um, uh, is all something that I think we really need to see more of in the theater. Um, and we, we have been, been seeing more of that and there's, um, I found there's kind of more and more resources and, yeah. and information coming out to help folks um, with that transition. Um, Cause I think something I've observed a lot is um, not necessarily a, there's no, um, in general, there's no lack of willingness on the parts of, on the part of arts practitioners to be more environmentally friendly. I mean, most people I talk to, they're like, yeah, yeah, we really want to, um, reduce our carbon footprint. We really want to waste less. Um, it's just that there's a lot of conflicting information out there. You know, you hear, okay, well, this if you use this material, it has a lower carbon footprint, but well, actually, it uh, poisons aquifers. So it's it's really hard to to take in all of that information um, and and make sense of it. Um, so I mean, like one project that I'm working on currently uh, with the Quebec Drama Federation is this, um, we're, we're kind of in the uh, research and consultation phase of testing the feasibility of bringing um, like an environmental impact measurement tool to Canada that is uh, sector specific for the arts. Um, and we're, we're hoping that, you know, if we can get something like this implemented and that there's actually a, an accessible tool um, that is user friendly um, that folks across all artistic disciplines can use, um, it, will, it will inform a lot of those decisions because I think a lot of the time it's, it's just like, you may, not, you may not know the carbon footprint of, of various materials. You might not know where where things come from, you might not um, know the actual impact of, you know, swapping out your lights for LEDs. Um, it's really like there's there's so many factors, and and we're not even just talking about um, uh, climate change. Like there are, um, you know, uh, air and water pollution considerations. So there's like all this information coming at people that's not easy to uh, dissect. So we're hoping to make that a little uh, more clear. Yeah, that's great. I, I really love that QDF has taken on this project. I really feel that it is the role of art service organizations to really stand up and, and do some of this work so that the wealth of knowledge can really be shared, hopefully nationally uh, and, and beyond. I. I know that for myself, you know, I often, I think when I started down this path, you know, I, I, I was lacking the, the words and the terminology and just like some basic understanding, like my heart was in the right place, but I, I just, I needed something else, something more. Cause we're not talking about recycling. Like, you know, we're not talking about putting our blue bin out. We're talking about something that's way bigger than that. Um, and I think that we need buy-in from audiences as well. So I really get excited. Um, oh, hey, Patrick, making comments from QDF. Um, I get really excited when I see that there's art being made um, about, uh, about this kind of topic. And Kate, I'm curious to hear from you a bit about your process and what led to tomorrow. Um, please take it away. Um, so I was approached by Ryan Pomerito, um, who wanted to produce a version of Macbeth that had to do with climate change. And he was really passionate about um, these two things that somehow go together. Um, and at first I was like, okay, <laughs> um, let me give it another read, um, because that's often like not the first thing you think of when you think of the Scottish play. Um, so... But actually, when you get into the text, there's a lot of Macbeth ambition that is a parallel to human humankind's ambition and how that's propelled us forward and ultimately screwed us over. Um, that combined with all this imagery of how the land around him is changing. Um, so we started a like a devised 
process with a group of us and like really digging into the text. Um, and we found out um, it was a lot of looking into Macbeth, but a lot of climate change research um, and how much eco-anxiety fueled us. And we got to a point where we realized that we couldn't make a piece about eco-anxiety, about climate change without walking the walk, um, which meant implementing that into our design, implementing that into our text, and then showing up for the Fringe Festival and attending like the 23 workshop, which is where how we met Devin and created this um, connection to even um, be more conscious about our ecological footprint and what we were doing to make our show. Um, so it's it started as like a seed of an idea, and now it's gone on this journey of how do how do we keep working actively to make um, theater that like really gets people in their gut um, and really sparks that eco anxiety, but um, also shows that in action. Can you describe what eco anxiety is? Sure. <laughs> so I, I I don't have like the Webster's dictionary in front of me, um, but um, basically what it is is um, it's a, an overwhelming sense of anxiety that's related to the climate crisis and the trajectory that we're currently headed. Um, and it's basically the um, how you how we're confronted and try to comprehend. For lack of a better term, the end of our world as we know it, hmm. which of course is a, a phrase that's inviting in the first place. Thank you. I uh, I saw the show. Um, it played at the Fringe last year, and I was thankful to see Centaur Theater pick it up for the Wild Side. We just canceled, well, I mean, it wasn't even announced, but we were going to do tomorrow in April uh, around like Earth Day and around that week, and hopefully we'll bring it back next year. But I just, you know, I want to applaud Centaur um, and any theaters out there that really are booking um, booking work around these topics, because um, it, it is important. Um, and I would like, oh, hey, I'm just noticing my mother-in-law is here. Hi, Trish. Great discussion, she says. She's such a great cheerleader. Thank you. <laughs> um, you know, eco-anxieties eco aside, you know, like what, what, what are we supposed to do? What, what, what do we do? We've talked about resources. We've talked about a whole variety of things. I'm curious, you know, like it, from your advice, what are we gonna do about this? I think they need to start, we need to start giving courses and teaching like, Sophie mentioned it in university, we never had a course that even taught us about the different materials and what they meant and that wasn't ever discussed. And I think having and introducing sustainable classes and teaching what sustainable design is, um, is a great start. Yeah. In addition to maybe starting a warehouse where we can store things that people can reuse and in addition to other things, of course, but yeah. Yeah, I would say that like uh, it would be really cool if, like, uh, just to go along the lines of the discussion. Like if you could even create like a resource booklet, if anybody has like um, like specific resources that people can come back to when they're like looking for information, and um, like it's just also like there's like little things like we talked about upcycling. That's like I love upcycling. I think it's it's a super like creative way to just like as you said like elongate the life of something that is already being discarded and like you know even the like period pieces just like finding a great modern piece to base off of and adjust is like super cool and makes it like interesting um like if you have to build like i think like what Iman was saying about like investing in like labor it's really useful to like um make things that are like, very good quality because then they'll last longer and like people are more willing to like borrow them and like you can, you can they can have a longer life as well and they can be adjusted easily. Um, and also I think like things like um, green dry cleaning, that's like, that's, like mm. something that a lot of people don't think of. It's a little bit more money, but it's, it's, it's worth it for what it does, you know? So um, yeah. Great, green dry cleaning, love it. Go ahead, Marie. 
No, I was just going to say, I think that um, just the, that idea of throwing something out there that's been like, okay, so this has been happening. Well, I don't know, Amy, let's talk about our festivals. Like this has been happening for a long time. And one thing we've been thinking about is handbills. Yeah, yeah. totally. Of handbills and how many handbills are just like wasted and put out, whatever. What does it mean if all of a sudden I'm like, hmm, I actually get to have a festival, not this August, but the other August, um, <laughs> down the road. Maybe I say to the artist, no more handbills. Mm -hmm. What do you say to that, Amy? Uh, I see, let's do it. Then let's do it. No more handbills. No more handbills, done. I think everyone like everyone has their phone, they can scan it like a code, barcode, get information. We're doing it. So, yeah. so fringe artists that are, that are gonna watch this, just know <laughs> that no more handbills. You got, you, you're creative, you're gonna figure it out. You got like more than a year, go for it. You know what, I'm, I'm thrilled to share it. It's something you and I have talked about for a little while now, and I think it's the right way to go. And I think the exciting thing is that there's so many other cool ways that we can promote our shows. And I think us as festival producers, we're gonna try and figure out some stuff too to you know yes. make it all work. But it's like get rid of those flyers. We don't need them. Done. Yeah. Now we're gonna challenge Cap. We're gonna challenge our 30 some other sister festivals to maybe follow suit. Let's do it. Yeah. That's great. I kind of wanted to ask Kate. It's something that friends of mine who are directors um, mentioned to me, the importance of starting that conversation that we don't usually have and the director bringing that conversation to the entire production and, and hearing it from that person saying, this is gonna be more sustainable. We need to be more aware. And in the past with some of the directors I've worked with and the person that comes to mind is Christian Mendez. I'm not sure if he's on this or listening, but what he did was he had a workshop for all his cast and anyone involved in the production about what it means to be a sustainable design, not just in the construction and the design, but in uh, rehearsal rooms throughout the entire production till we open. Um, and I thought it was extremely helpful because then it's not just the people making decisions that are thinking about it, but it's the entire ensemble. And I, th I don't know what like your opinion about that is. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And that was one of the things that we had to examine and still actively examine when we're in the rehearsal room. Um, we started, I know when we started to think more actively, um, we're a company of six, so it's much easier for us to come to a consensus or, you know, discuss something in a yeah. condensed period of time. Um, but we started, you know, the snacks that we bring to the rehearsal are from a local, um, locally owned bakery. Um, mm. We make our own coffee in rehearsal instead of bringing in like takeaway containers. Um, when, um, when we started talking about land acknowledgements, um, within our performance and how we wanted to do them and that intention, we ended up derailing our an entire rehearsal block just to talk about what that meant to us. And if we were doing a land acknowledgement, then what were we doing to support the indigenous land that we are yeah. on? Um, so I think when it comes to doing it on a macro level, when we're looking at um, how we structure our rehearsals, um, there needs to be flexibility in when it's in order to make space for something that should be talked about. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'd like to say we did, we had, um, I, I think an important, I think an important thing to, to keep in mind is that this is uh, an issue for all of us and it is also an indigenous uh, issue. And we unfortunately were unable to find an artist that was available to come uh, and speak, but uh, I do want to. I did want to bring that up, and then I also wanted to throw out an idea. Just listening to you speak and, and sitting in Mainline, Kate, I'm like, okay, well, when we start renting to companies again, like, should venues like Mainline, do we need to have like a green, <laughs> a sustainable like section of our contract that says if you're coming to do work in our space, that you're going to do your best to X, Y, and Z. 
Um, you know, it's something that Devin, I think, has brought up before to me. Uh, I'm curious, you know, as somebody who does shows, would you, how would you feel about that? And I mean, people listening too, like, what are your comments on that? I think I'm it's so easy. Yeah. Like, just do it. Yeah. I think you might have to have a bit more guidelines, yeah. specifically for the people who are unaware or, but yeah. Word. And I think questioning, asking like mainline, asking themselves, what does it mean for them to go sustainable and be greener? And what are you asking of everyone that is walking in? And yeah. Yeah. And, and so a, a lot of what, what when I'm, um, we created an event uh, called the Chinook series. And one of the things that I wanted to do is I wanted to center the first voice on our land as one that was, so it was truly indigenous led and, and started exploring what that meant. And, and we have like, these incredible salon conversations and workshops. And I went, okay, well, and, and it was mentioned before about education and, and putting, I am going to commit to putting resources into the education piece for our entire community, right? To, to take it out to, and say like, look, the fringe flies a certain banner in this city and, and, and people that don't even attend know what it is. And if, if, if we can help propel that even from our industry out to the larger community or to other festivals, you know, we're known as Festival City in the summer, right? Well then I think that that's uh, my responsibility, you know, as a, as, a, as a little brother in this land too. It's like, I, I think I got to do something like that to help propel it and see if it catches on and then start poking people to see if it is actually catching on, you know? Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been thinking a lot about kind of uh, the, like the way forward in, in green theater making and what companies can do, what are um, like, I guess, first steps. And, um, you know, it, it's really important to reduce waste and energy use and find ways to make economy cyclical and stuff. But yeah, I've been thinking lately that if for institutions who want to um, stand up for environmental justice, probably the first thing you can do is um, decolonize your artistic practices and start elevating marginalized voices because climate change is not an equalizer. Climate change widens inequalities in a multitude of ways. Yeah. And, um, you know, Canada has a long history of environmental racism and uh, dirty industries and landfills and uh, refining like refineries and tailings ponds. Um, these are most often situated in already marginalized communities. Um, and so uplifting the, the voices of people who are most affected by the, these issues, I think is, is one of the most important things that that we can do because there's a lot of perspectives that um, you know privileged folks um, don't have, and and, um, and so we really need to be like. I think that's like the first thing you should do. Then get rid of your flyers, definitely, but start thinking about like whose voices you're amplifying. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great point, Devin. It really is. Yeah. I, uh, I want to, oh, Sophie, go ahead. I was just going to say um, quickly that uh, I think like also, um, unfortunately, I think accountability is an important aspect of it. And like, I'm, I'm just thinking of like instances when, um, you know, you're getting close to the end and you're super over budget and you're like super stressed out and you're like, I can't deal with, with this. Like, I need to just like spend the money and get this and I can't deal with it. Um, so I'm wondering if like a way that like, you know, you mentioned about like uh, the sign of the local like green theater or something, like if that's something that um, some theaters might want to use to encourage people to support their work, um, but also keep them accountable for like those promises and have like someone working for them that like helps to support the staff. Like sometimes like adding that onto like the, the the creative team like the designers just alone it's a lot of extra work and it's like it's something that like the entire team needs to and the and the like the artistic company needs to just like hone in on yeah we have actually a question here we don't usually do QA, but i'm going to bring it out because i it's an interesting question from kate nowacki on facebook 
um, LED certification yes. in architecture encourages green design for buildings. Are there such programs to encourage green theater making? No. I know the answer. So for those who don't know what it is, it's the leadership in energy and environmental design. And it's what, like you get certified as buildings and architecture, but we don't have such a thing. However, I know a lot of theater makers who take the same concepts that uh, lead would like impose to, to what it is a green theater. Like I know for my productions for zero waste, we calculated zero waste according to their standards. Mm. And uh, so we're just taking, we don't have anything so far, unfortunately. Yeah. And I'm gonna pull up another one if that's okay. Uh, Cause it's my husband. Hi Jamie. <laughs> uh, what is the single biggest toe in a theater's carbon footprint? Uh, it's the energy that it takes to light, heat the space, uh, the carbon expended, uh, getting people to and from the performance, or is it something else? I can shine a little light on this one. Um, I've done uh, uh, carbon footprints for productions and um, also you know, seen a lot of other work that people are doing. Um, most often it seems to be the audience uh, travel. Um, it seems to be like, you know, people getting to the space, which is, I guess, a little disheartening because it's much less about, about your choices. Um, in Quebec, something I've noticed is um, the materials for the set come next. Um, and the reason I say in Quebec is because um, uh, each province has a different energy profile and uh, the uh, emissions factor for Quebec is actually very, very low um, because most of our energy comes from hydroelectric and then a little bit of wind as well. Um, so, uh, so actually like theater productions in, in Quebec, the, the energy footprint of those productions um, is, is generally quite low. Whereas if you made the same, like the exact same show in say Alberta, um, the carbon footprint of the energy usage would be like roughly 500 times higher. Um, so uh, yeah, here um, it tends to be, it tends to be the travel. Um, yeah. Thank you. It's something that um, like we, I, I, I found myself in the situation when uh, designing sets, it's the carbon footprint of something that is being shipped to your uh, location. And depending on where you are, I did a show in Alaska recently and the carbon footprint is a big issue because n everything needs to be shipped there. And they're either coming by plane because it's an island and nothing can come by land or by boat. But um, it's also like, it's not just the tangible waste for scenic elements, it's also like, the, the shops, the, the the machines are working and all of that. So it's a big issue. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised like that, I'm really surprised that travel in Quebec is such a big um, footprint just because there's such great access to public transport. <laughs> so I almost want, like, I wonder in other provinces where I, I, I hear that they don't have as much, like I'm shocked that they, anyway, yeah. yeah. I mean, also, I feel like I, I exist in a little bit of a bubble as well because all of my like theater going friends were all taking the Metro. Um, mm -hmm. But like a lot of people drive to see theater, they mm -hmm. drive to events, um, they rent cars, you know? So um, that, that all adds up when you have like a theater that seats several hundred people mm -hmm. um, and you're, you have a tent show run or something. It, the, the travel really does add up. Hmm. It's interesting, you know, I think that we all sort of live in a bubble to a certain extent, you know, I mean, especially now, um, since, because uh, we're in a pandemic, but also uh, just in case anyone forgot. That's <laughs> um, but also just like through our social media networks, you know, like we really kind of curate what we, our perception of the world through Facebook or Instagram. And, you know, I guess I'm just curious, how do we 
how do we penetrate those places? How do we find those folks who aren't, how do we get them to get with the program? You know, what do we do? I, sorry. Yeah. Um, so the Broadway Green Alliance, what they're doing is really reaching out to schools, having people represent them so they can have these workshops, so they can have this informative aspect to producing more green theater. But what they also do is they go and ask certain theaters, um, directors, uh, designers to take a pledge in a sense to create green theater and they're working on producing. I don't know if there's anything in Canada that does that at the moment. I've been in the United States for the past four years. So that's what we're working on here. I think that should be created and worked on there, of course, too. How is the conversation, Murray, in Alberta in general around this? Like, do you talk to other theaters about it? for perspective yeah and and i've been you know i'm still mulling about the idea of how do we reach out to um uh um, those that are like you know on that on that planet and on the other side sort of thing and here in alberta especially right like with the current government are you i don't want to swear but i really feel like i want to swear um how they're reversing so many things and it's like it's even even Further now, we've got to we got to we got to double down and and establish that. Our community's been interesting. It, it, it has this push pull, right? Um, and 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 whatever ways they're that, that they're being challenged in, in in the way things are going. But I think that truly developing something. I like that idea of everybody going. You know what? I'm going to commit to this. I'm going to sign off and pledge to that. And I think that stimulating that within our community, we do talk to each other right now, but not enough, not near enough about the really, really important things because people are still so colonial and looking at, oh, these are my ticket sales. This is my audience. You know, like I got to protect me. I got to look after me. I got to, I got to, I got to. I'm like, if we don't look after each other, there's no me left. Like, come on, you guys. It's time to shake the shit up. Sorry, I did this one. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> All right, let's see over here. We, you know, on YouTube, we've got folks watching. Um, I think we've got about 20 more on YouTube, another 22 here. Guys, it's just exciting to be able to talk about this in this context. If we did this at the beer tent during the fringe, I just want to say like five people would show up um because everybody would be like in between shows running around it's true we know it we did have good attendance last year at the fringe 2030 event um but i mean i think that was special uh and then we have alicia over here i just want to share what you're saying alicia who is uh a theater tech stage manager extraordinaire for techs. It would be fulfilling to know the set we are taking apart isn't destined for the dumpster again and again and again. Yes, so please. I, I want to add something, Alicia, like with, I think with sustainable design and, c- and scenery specifically, what I had to do when we were creating a zero waste set was actually design how we're taking it apart and how each thing is dismantled. And we created this like concept of four bins where what is actually being recycled, what is actually being like reused, what is actually being um, going to compost, et cetera. And after doing that, things were color coordinated in the drafting and the plans. The materials were very specific because we only had, like. We had to study the materials that we used. So when the techs actually got the plans and we were doing our waste um, um, waste audit, it was very easy to follow and create that part. But it comes with the design. Like you can't design something and then decide, oh, I want to... Like the building has to be also thought through like, okay, you can be using paint on wood if you want to recycle it or you want to use it for a different reason, or you can't be using glue to stick things together. Maybe you only use uh, fasteners. Um, So there's all these different elements to construction that were also implemented so we could have a better tech and um, strike. Yeah. I don't know if that made sense, but yeah. yeah. 
Um, sorry, I just want to jump in. There was one comment that also got shown about um, uh, rewarding audience members that show up on their bike or you know public transit and whatever. We worked with uh, the Edmonton Transit System in um, with our volunteers and said, look, our volunteers are artists. We want them to have um, passes on transportation so that they can get down to the site back and forth on public. Uh, and then I'm now working with a lot of um, uh, uh, the Bike Community Society as well to say, ride your bike down, go see a show, and we'll tune your bike up for you while you're seeing the show. Like, so there's the, you know what I mean? Like just encouraging that I, or teach people to look after their own bike as well, or, and, and have, you know, show them where, where bikes can be brought. And like, you know, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things I think to be done that just sort of just keep, keep rolling them out and, and doubling down on them. Yeah. You know, with budgets, being constantly restrained, how do you allocate funds? I appreciate, I think, and I'm really, I think it's really thoughtful, the idea of planning, taking time to think and having it be part of the process, part of your of the creative process for Kate, um, part of the design process uh, for Iman. Um, where do you pull money from? Is is money is not having the money an excuse? Yes. Um, okay. <laughs> Straight well, up. It's yes. It's 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 an excuse for a lot of things that are going on right now, right? You don't yeah. want to deal with your own systemic racism. You don't want to deal with a bunch of things because everything's just too difficult. They don't have the budget. Move that shit aside. It's time to move forward. It's like you have to go, I'm just gonna change things. I'm just gonna shift whatever we were doing here, and I'm gonna put it here instead. This is the I think, thing we're going to do. We're going to walk down that path. I agree. And also the excuse is invalid because it's just like talking and they don't have any evidence to what they're saying in a sense, because that's what we tested. In my case, we tested it. Is it more expensive? And it wasn't. We just allocated funds differently. That's what we did. Instead of allocating more funds to materials, we ended up allocating more funds to labor. And we didn't end up going over budget. We actually had a similar production that wasn't um, produced in the same methods that we were producing ours in a sustainable method, meaning. And we compared and we saw how their strike went, what they dismantled, how much waste went to landfills from theirs. And then we tried to reproduce uh, kind of the same scope of a production as in uh, labor, budget, et cetera. And then we, we were working around $70,000 in budget. And like, and I, I'm, I'm, my, my part is like, I wanted to, I wanted it to, I wanted to say that you can do it at a larger scale, you can do it at a smaller scale and it's not an excuse to at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I, sorry, go ahead, Devin. Um, well, just that, I, you know, I've, I've heard excuses about, well, you know, we, we don't have the budget to, um, buy more durable materials that can be reused or to store this stuff or to, uh, you know, pay our designers to, um, to create more durable design. Um, but then, you know, if you're throwing out like 1500 kilograms of plywood and steel, um, every time you do a large scale show, um, you think there can be a slightly better use of those resources. So I think it's about like, you know, thinking creatively and like Iman said, like taking the time to um, design sustainably from the beginning instead of just getting to the end of the show and being like, uh, what do we do with it? Yeah. And changing our methods, right? It's not like you, we can't try to implement sustainable uh, thought and process into our already existing theater. We need to remake it completely. We need to think about it differently. And um, I do, I, I, something that I, like, honestly, like, I'm being very frank here, but uh, I, space is an issue. Space is an issue. And that's something that we are constantly fighting for. Um, we want some place where we can store, we can reorganize because we can reuse more. And um, some places, they just don't have the space. So that's, for me, it's just a creative, it's a problem, but you need a creative uh, solution for it. And it shouldn't limit you. It's just 
design something that's different. You don't have the space. Think about a design that doesn't take space to use. Like, be creative. Have creative solutions to the creative problems, kind of thing. But yeah. Kate, yeah. you wanted to say something. I'm going to throw it over to you. Yeah, I was just going to say, from a creative standpoint, um, I feel like. Um, not having the funds, it's not an excuse, but it's what drives us forward. Mm -hmm. um, when you know we were devising and going through um, like edition after edition of our script, is it worth it to print you know six new new scripts of this edition when we know it's not final? Um, is it worth it to be building this thing that we, we don't know if it's going to be in the final like final production or not? Um, so constantly questioning whether or not this is an expense that we want to make. And then when it's an expense that we're willing to make, how is it going to keep us forward while we work through the play? We've used the same set each time we've done it. Um, it's just been like repurposed or something's been added, but there are things that are always coming back. Um, so like not having the funds, it's, I like maybe on a large scale, it can be an excuse, but I see it on the small scale is like, it, it helps frame the work that you're making. I know that um, I often go back to thinking about institutions and institutional change that is in progress uh, and evolving and continuing. And I really, I really believe that in the coming years that grant agencies are going to expect us to include our practice um, in our grant applications. And if you think, if you are running an institution and you feel like you cannot afford these problems, please call me um, because I, I will be happy to talk you through some of it. There is money you can apply to do an environmental impact study on your organization. We did it, we were funded by the Conseil des Arts de Montréal and Devin did a great study for us that really helped us learn a lot. We, hey, we didn't get all the money we asked for, but you know, they gave us money, it was great. Um, so just to say like, I, I, I agree with the no excuses uh, aspect of it. And I, I do think that there's, there is some cash out there, especially to get this started, especially if you are a larger institution. Um, so please give me a ring. Um, <laughs> well, we are nearing the end. I'm curious, you know, does anybody have anything burning inside them that they were like, this is what I wanted to say when I was going to be on this call? What was it? Okay. Yeah. No pressure. It have to be that. It can be something that you want to contribute before we wrap. <laughs> I, I do want to say, like, I, um, I, I am planning on creating a certificate that people can, well, it's not really a certificate. It's um, classes that you can take for undergraduates and hopefully master level courses. And I've been in talks with uh, some universities and professors who are interested in introducing a sustainable design course. And I think we really need to head in that direction if you want to see change in the future, for sure. And any information that y'all have, or I know Devin, you you seem like you have a lot of research. I would love to read it. <laughs> yeah. Sure, yeah. You can, can talk anytime. Love it. New friends, new networking. <laughs> I would like yeah. to share, as I was getting literally fired up this computer after the 19th Zoom meeting of the day, um, and, and when I opened it up, this hope came up. In the midst of this pandemic and ongoing social crisis, the critical work of protecting nature must continue. David Suzuki. The creator knew I was coming to this thing and he's giving me this as a piece of information as I walk in here. So I wanted to honor that. And I want to honor all of you. Again, I want to just get offline and keep talking to you about this. And I want to make the pledge that we're doing things. Like, we're doing things. And it's all just, it, I want to do so much more than what we're doing, but I just keep doing, right? So, for example, um, uh, we are going to, uh, we're on a search right now. Um, we've got a, what we call, the, I've got to name something, something for the funders, right? So, we've got an Indigenous Innovation Program. And um, all the teachings that I've had in my journey to this point, one of my best friends is Mohawk and Cree, so I can't, I, can't, I, don't, I don't get away with anything is what I'm saying. Um, uh, but literally, 
I want to hire this human being to have autonomy to do what they need to do, not just hire them and say, okay, now all the work's on you. Now all the, all the uh, emotional labor is going to be added on to you to write all of our diversity statements from here on in or do all this kind of thing. It's like, no, I'm going to be here for you to give you all the resources that you need to like literally knock down the colonial walls of how we're doing this. And with it, Mother Nature will always be at the forefront of every one of those conversations. Man. We're talking about like not only the marginalized communities of where they're trying to put the pipelines through, but they're usually the water protectors and the land protectors and doing all of the work as well. And the capacity for forgiveness to us really silly settlers is just mind boggling. So it's time to reverse that a little bit. And, and I commit to that. Thank you. We have a comment here. Is there a common best practices doc that can be shared between theaters, festivals, something that could function as a pledge? Um, so, I mean, there is like, I guess because I work in the intersection of these two fields, um, there are actually loads. Like I'm kind of constantly inundated with like, you know, oh, well this organization made this like uh, set design guide, and this organization made this. So um, there, there are good resources out there. You just kind of have to to find them. Um, two really good uh, like organizations locally that I'd recommend checking out, um, and they're both uh, partners on the project that the that the QDF is working on. Is the Conseil Québécois des Événements Eco-Responsables, the CEPR, um, and also an organization called Ecosino. Um, and they're both, uh, they've, you know, created resources, they're doing work locally. So if you're definitely, if you're based in Quebec, um, those are two organizations that you can check out. Um, and uh, I mean, Ecosino is working on creating like a, um, an echosonography guide for, um, for Canada. Um, yeah, there's loads. I mean, people can like email me. Um, I I know of a book, I don't know if you know it, Devin, it's specifically for theater, it's called A Practical Guide to Greener Theater. Um, it's, a book. it's a book, I actually have it. Oh, okay. I'm not what? sure if I've seen that specific one. I think we're going to have to look up some of these things and put them the links in the comments. Yeah, here. I can give a lot of book recommendations, that's for yeah. sure, I can do that. Thank you. Um, yeah. That'd be so great. Yeah, I think we'd all love to read. We got time. Let's read. Let's uh, focus on that. I want to thank you all for joining us. Um, this has been a wonderful conversation. The hour, of course, flew by as it always does. Um, I want to uh, please, if you enjoyed this, please share it with your friends. Again, uh, it will be archived on YouTube and on Facebook. Uh, I think that our, I don't know the stats for yesterday, but for our first talk, we had over a thousand views. Um, thanks to all the sharing and caring that was going on. So it's some really important conversation. We want to make some change happen uh, in our industry and in our society. So um, we will put some resources, I think, in the comments. Uh, thank you, Deirdre. Really enlightening from Deirdre. That's very nice. Um, and I thank you all again. Uh, tomorrow, we're talking in French tomorrow again about it's parlons de la réconciliation travail-vie. So that's like work-life balance. I'm very excited to uh, listen and uh, be a part of that conversation. Uh, I think it's one that um, I'm probably going to do more listening, I feel, than <laughs> contributing to that one. But And then the following day, I'm really excited. We have our bilingual uh, session to wrap us all up. Uh, and it's, I kind of paused because, you know, I'm curious to see how it will work bilingually. I mean, we are Montreal. We do speak Franglais, most of us. Um, so we'll see how it goes. But I'm really excited. We're going to talk about the future of art dissemination um, with some really incredible folks, such as Mike from Jordi, Vincent from L'Ortea, Sophie from Densité, and Lee from the uh, Indigenous Fringe. So we're really excited uh, to connect with all of them. Tonight, we have 
uh, a show that will be live streamed with Mo Clark, who's an incredible uh, Indigenous musician. We're really excited to have her. Uh, there's programming going on all week. That's it. Thank you all again for being here, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Take care. Thanks so much. Get into the fridge.